What's up, babes? And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to once again be joined by Isabel Kershudian of the Washington Post. How are you, Isabel? Doing well, getting ready for uh, the season to get going again. Yeah, I mean, it's just coming up tomorrow, and uh, I guess the NHL decided to um, really get things started a little bit early with today, Eric Carlson being traded to San Jose. Uh, I know it's not a Capitals thing, but what were your kind of your initial thoughts on, on that deal? Yeah, I thought the return was pretty low. I mean, I, I guess it's kind of a product of, you know, everybody kind of knowing he's on the market and that you know, maybe the Sens are trying to shed salary and yada, yada. But, I mean, I feel like you should get, like, you know, a, either, like, a really, really good prospect. Like, when they were asking for Heiskanen from Dallas, like, I thought that mm-hmm. made sense. You know, that's, like, the kind of guy you should get. That guy's number three overall pick and – um, by all accounts, he's going to be good, but, you know, I don't know that much about the prospects they got in that deal from what I hear. They're not great. And, you know, that first round pick from San Jose is probably going to be a low one, you know, if the Sharks do play well as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other token, like San Jose now has like probably the craziest blue line, uh, we've ever seen. So, um, <laughs> a good trade for them. Uh, I guess weird trade for Ottawa, but that sort of fits the franchise these days. Yeah, it seems really tough right now to be a Ottawa Senators fan. I, I know um, I was just remembering how the Capitals were in on Eric Carlson right before the deadline last year, and you got to figure some of the... Uh, obviously, it all worked out really well for the Capitals, and, and uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. but um, it's hard to believe Ottawa couldn't get more before that deadline, especially with Vegas being in the running, too. Uh, Eric Carlson kind of plays in a little nicely to the whole capital Stanley Cup story. Um, yeah, I think like I, don't, I, I honestly at the time, um, I think like reports about like Washington being in on him was like really overstated. Like I think they inquired probably and like what it would take, but I don't think that's the same thing as like being in on a guy. You know? Yeah. Um, I think Vegas was like legitimately in on him, but I don't really buy into the Capitals ever being like seriously like pursuing that. Um, they kicked the tires. That's their job. Um, but I don't think he ever got that like deep. Well, at least uh, at least he didn't go to Vegas, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you had the kind of it was kind of cool. You got to travel around a lot this summer, and I know you got to spend um, some time with both Alexander Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom while they had the cup. And I was just hoping you could tell our listeners kind of uh, what stood out to you about those two days. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, Ovechkin's was very like whirlwind, um, kind of, you know, a little bit more busy, I guess. And there was this like frenzy around him. Um, whereas Backstrom just felt like kind of a little bit more intimate. And I think that's also the, you know, the difference in the two places, Moscow is 
this huge, you know, metropolis and Yavle, Sweden isn't and is kind of this more like low key place and their cup day is sort of represented that and it was, you know, really, really cool to see kind of the mob that formed around Ovechkin, like when he has that cup in Red Square and, you know, all the people trying to touch him and touch it and everything else. Um, but it's also cool, like when, you know, Backstrom brings the cup in like an arena, like named after him that, you know, only can seat like 6,000 people and still has like the wood bleachers and, um, and they're equally special just in kind of different ways. It, it sounded like a pretty cool thing to be around and, um, I know Barry Trotz had his day with the cup, but he won't be returning to Washington. And I was just kind of curious what your whole take was on, on his whole departure, um, whether you thought there was a lot going on behind the scenes that kind of made that departure all but inevitable, um, despite the fact that the team did get together and win the Stanley Cup last year. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it was, to me, it's like, I think maybe there's some hurt feelings from, you know, how things go during the season, you know, maybe there's um, some of, you know, I understand his desire too, though, to get paid with his peers, I guess, other coaches who've won a Stanley cup and be making what they make. I think that's a fair feeling, especially when you spent the entire season thinking like the team you were coaching for was going to fire you. Um, so when it's your opportunity to get yours, to get some security for yourself, for your family, like I get him being like, this is what I want to get paid. Um, the capital standpoint of that is, um, that, you know, they had negotiated a contract and, you know, whether or not the pay scales changed or whatever, like they had agreed to that, uh, four years ago. And, you know, I, Leon just literally said to me, um, if, you know, he renegotiated every contract, like he'd have a line out the door. Like he just believes in honoring the contract. Um, I don't know. Like at the end of the day, um, I don't think Barry would have walked. And I don't think the caps would have walked if both sides weren't comfortable moving on um, for the caps that, you know, getting, uh, you know, having Todd Reardon be the coach, someone they were, you know, arguably ready to make the coach potentially mid-season if a few things had gone a couple different ways. And for Trotz, I mean, I think he knew he was going to get another job and it was going to pay him well. And, you know, he'd kind of done what he was he promised to do in Washington. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I think it, it, there is a lot of factors to it kind of on both sides. But at the end of the day, like, I think both parties were, like, kind of okay with the result in the end. I mean, I think there's some hurt feelings, but maybe not as much as people would think. Yeah, it really did sound like an interesting scenario, especially with Barry Trotz's clause that kicked in um, with the automatic extension when the Capitals won. Um, with, with Todd Reardon taking over, he's obviously, uh, as you said, he was kind of the natural heir to the position, and and by, by your own reports, was pretty close to to getting the job during the season. Um, you you had a chance to talk with him recently. Are, I know the Capitals just won the Cup, but are you expecting any sort of change in in kind of team style or in in the way that the Capitals play with a new head coach? No, not really. I think they're going to, you know, maybe make some tweaks to the PK. Um, and uh, part of that has to do with Jay Beagle leaving. Part of that, you know, Lane Lambert was running the penalty kill. He's not around anymore. Um, you're not going to make any changes to the power play because it's <laughs> been good for a while. But 
Um, I think penalty kill, they saw the place like, hey, we can make some improvements there. And I expect that to be maybe the most like immediate thing that we see is going to be different. Um, but, you know, with how they were playing defensively at the end of the year, I mean, they want to do that. Now, obviously, it's hard to get that commitment in game like six as it is, you know, in game five of the Stanley Cup finals. But um, I, I think that structure, you know, for 60-something games during the season, there was a lot of confusion amongst the team about what they were doing defensively, what philosophy was, what, you know, they were supposed to be doing. Was it a man? Was it, you know, like, and they kind of cleared things up. And I think, you know, what they kind of went to at that point for the last 20 games and in the playoffs is what they're going to try to keep doing. And the good thing is Reardon had a lot to do with all of that uh, because he was kind of the defensive coach. So um, I think, you know, it's going to be pretty much similar. Yeah, and I think I think it's probably even more likely to be similar because there was it doesn't look like there's going to be any turnover at all on the back end um, with the Capitals right. kind of retaining Brooks Orpik after trading him uh, to really bring down that AAV, which of course allowed them to re-sign John Carlson. So really, uh, the Capitals did a lot of movement on their D just to end up back where they started. Um, kind of, what are your thoughts on kind of having the same decor? Obviously, Orpik's getting older, and the Capitals do have a few young defensemen um, that they drafted in the first round in the pipeline. But um, kind of what's your overall take on, on the state of the defense core and uh, how do you think it's going to shake out uh, heading into the, this year? Yeah, I think, you know, it makes sense. You definitely, I thought that top four by the end of the season was good. Like, yeah. I like how Kempsey plays with Carlson. I think that speed and him being able to go back for pucks, I, I think I said this before, it's Nate Schmidt-like. I mean, he's not Nate Schmidt, um, but, you know, the speed that he can bring, kind of the role he can play beside Carlson, I think there is um, some similarities there, and I think it is very complimentary to John. Um, and then, obviously, Orlov and Niskanen have been, like, good for a couple of years now. And um, I, I think it makes sense to bring back Orpik. I don't think he's going to play as much, um, but I don't – know that like anybody was ready for a juice bowie pair this year um and i don't know if it was <clears throat> necessarily fair to bowie to put him in a situation where it's like hey we're really gonna lean on you or you know whatever i, I think he just needs a little bit more time and i think we saw that um at points last season so where if you can have you know a kind of a more of a rotation between orpic and bowie um, I would assume Juice is going to be a pretty stable fixture in there this year. Uh-huh. But I think you can split it a little bit and also expect some injuries where, you know, those young guys are going to come up and you're going to get to see a Siegenthaler, maybe a Johansson, um, whatever. But, you know, I think going in, this makes sense. I just, at the end of the day, like, we kind of expect a hangover and um, there might, they might not get off to the best start as we've seen, like, previous cup winners. Um, so maybe having some stability in there with a guy like Corpic, who's honestly like Madison Bowery's like biggest ally, um, is I think it makes sense. Now you know we talk about a, a cup hangover, and um, you know one thing that you maybe hope would, would help prevent that would be competition uh, in, in the roster. Have guys feel like that even though they just won, they're still fighting for spots. 
Um, but the Capitals have really done a great job. I mean, it may, maybe it will end up being a double-edged sword, but they, they've kept everything together. Um, they lost Jay Beagle, and um, that was probably a bit of a good thing, especially once you see how much he got paid by Vancouver. Um, but the, the the one guy I'm really interested to see if he's able to kind of crack into the lineup is Sergei Shumakov, who I thought was uh, his stats in the KHL are, are, are really impressive, um, and, he, and he's not he's not an old guy, so. How do you think he's going to fit in, and do you think he's going to do anything to kind of push the guys in the bottom six, maybe maybe on the second line, into uh, competing a bit harder to start the year? Yeah, I I don't know if he has that kind of upside. We've just seen this go so many different ways with guys coming over to the NHL. It is a different team. Um, you know, some guys make that transition beautifully, like, you know, Panarin. Um Others don't, and they just don't crack it. Um, so I don't know. Like, I think they're prepared for him to maybe start in the A. Um, you know, it's obviously a two-way deal, I think, for a reason. But um, he can definitely score. That's what they sort of expect, is that he has a scoring coach. So if you know, like, it's a different – the expectation of NHL coaches, the responsibilities, uh, it is just – going to be an adjustment for him and um i think fans might have a bigger like i guess hope (laughs) for this guy than maybe even the organization does i I just don't know that they see the same like i don't see him on a second line for example i think he would be like if he could add like third line depth um like a third line guy i guess a left wing I, i don't know if they have, like, Burakovsky on the right wing, like, I think that's his ceiling, maybe. And if he scores you 15 goals, like, that's, a, you know, a win. Oh, um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't see him turning into, like, a top six, like, guy, though. But I could be wrong. I mean, maybe he has that kind of potential, but um, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like that kind of thing to me. No, and no, and I think that makes sense. Um, when you when you look at guys like um, you know Andre Burakovsky or, or Jacob Brana, two guys that um, both had um, pl- played a part in the Capitals Stanley Cup uh, victory, uh, Burakovsky with way more ups and downs than Vrana, but Vrana was a healthy scratch at at one point in the playoffs and. Um, you know, heading into Game Five in Washington against Pittsburgh, he was he was far down in the lineup. Um, how do you expect them to kind of grow heading into this year? Uh, and do you think it's finally time where we start to see the the consistency from Andre Burakovsky that's been missing from his game since uh, I'd say I, he was really solid his first twenty games in the NHL, but the consistency just hasn't been there since. Yeah, I mean, it would help if he doesn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, that would go a long way uh, for him. Um, but I, I do think it's like a really, really important year for him in that he's in a contract year. Both those guys are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think Verona's ahead of him, like just in kind of like organizational, how they see those guys, you know, kind of how Verona played last year, especially at the end of the year. Um, I mean, they don't, I don't think they win game seven in Tampa without Bill Coffey. Um, but he, I think he really, really needs to show some maturity in his game, some consistency you know, maybe uh, will help him with that. I think you'll see those guys kind of flip, like, in the middle of like, all year. And who knows, at one point, like, we might see Verona back on the first line again. But 
you know, I do think, um, you know, if it, it gets to be a cap crunch, I mean, I, I think Verona's the kind of safer guy, whereas, like, if Burakovsky has another rough year, like, he's probably going to end up in, like, trade speculation again. Um, I think they like him. They don't want to deal him. They want him to do well. Uh, I just think it is kind of a little bit of a make or break move. Where is he going? What do they have in him? All of that. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch Burakovsky. And, uh, you know, he hasn't always been the guy that, that's done best when expectations are placed upon him. But uh, this, this this time he's got no choice. If he wants to get paid, he's got to do well. Um, speaking of a guy who got paid and spent time on the first line, Tom Wilson came out of this year. He was still an RFA for one more year uh, if the Capitals had had had, had a one-year deal with him, and he is going to be making uh, quite a handsome amount of money with over $5 million a year in terms of AAV. Um, what are your kind of thoughts on Tom Wilson's contract? Uh, I know the production isn't always there, but I'm sure the guys in the room are really happy to have him back. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I thought maybe it was a little high for right now, but I didn't think it was that much high, higher in the sense that, you know, you're looking him up long term, buying a couple of UFA years, and he's coming off his best season. And if you compare his even strength, you know, point totals, I think they're actually, like, pretty good, like, compared to others. Um, his production five on five. Um, so at the end of the day, there were so many games where – I watched the game. I felt like he played great and, like, kept those shifts alive or, you know, was really a good mesh with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. And, like, maybe he doesn't get on the score sheet at all, um, except for, like, a penalty. But, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, like, genuinely, I think he really showed everybody something last year where he can play, you know, physical and, like, instill some fear in the opposition, which is valuable. Um, but he's also, but that line doesn't look the same without it. Um, and I get that has been for Verona there because he's not like quite as defensively responsible as a guy like Wilson, who I thought had some like smart offensive instincts as well at times. Um, I do think the way he plays makes Kuznetsov more comfortable. And if like that's the end goal of this, that like, those two, like, continue playing together for, you know, the rest of each of their contracts, like, he would work a 5-0, you know? Um, if he, like, continues playing in the top six, like, it's kind of what those guys make, um, especially if he can kind of keep up, you know, that even strength production build on it, whatever. Because I did think, like, when you just only take the even strength numbers and rank that, like, I think it was in a pretty good place. Yeah, I think the even strength production it's it's not it's it's not it's not bad. I think um when I look at it, I think his rate stats are a little bit they were about in line with what Andre Burakovsky did last year in terms of per minute. But I think it's going to be really interesting uh you know, Wilson brings things to the table that Andre Burakovsky doesn't. So I think if they're if they're producing at the same rate, I think you'd rather have Wilson, right? So um I think it's going to be really interesting to see when we look at kind of how that deal shakes out. Because um, Wilson isn't that old, so the, even if he doesn't continue to grow, it, it's not going to be like a Milan Lucic contract, probably or not not that bad uh, in terms of just a guy who no, can't get done. Like, yeah, if he maintains, it's going to be like the same percentage of the salary. I mean, it's going to be a lower percentage of the salary cap, theoretically. 
Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, no, I, I I get that. I think it's going to be... I don't know. I've got a lot of mixed feelings on the on the Wilson deal because I I think it's it's a lot to pay a guy for what he's done so far, and traditionally he's a bit. You don't typically see players' production grow that much at this age, but if he's going to be playing with Ovechkin and Backstrom all, or Ovechkin or Backstrom all the time, I think he he you have to imagine the points would uh, come up. Uh, another guy who spent a lot of time playing with either Ovechkin or Backstrom was uh, T.J. Oshie. I mean, he got that big deal uh, a summer ago, and he he had. Uh, some trouble with upper body injuries, which I think everyone knew was a concussion. Where do you kind of see his game coming this year? And, and not not that he had a, an awful season, but um, do you just kind of see his game kind of being more consistent, or do you think the injury threat is going to continue to plague TJ Oshie over the remainder of his deal? Yeah, I mean, I think he'll have a better deal if he stays relatively healthy. Um, some injuries are easier to come back from others. He, I mean, that was his fourth concussion. It's not like shocking that he had a tough time like getting back on the ice after that. And um, you never want to say a guy like plays scared, but like it certainly weighs on you. Um, he, so yeah, I, I worry about like just his personal health. Like if he gets another one, um, but uh, you know I would expect him to have a better year. I mean that's another guy though that I mean they talk about what he is in the room and kind of meeting he has with a team and everything else. I think it's a little bit the same with Wilson, where in those contracts, um, you end up paying for that a little bit. Well, when you win the Stanley Cup, I think any contracts that were given out can kind of... They all look like good contracts when the team wins. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I only got a few more questions for you. Um, Philip Grubauer was great last year. Um, you, know, you could argue that the Capitals don't make the playoffs without him. Given given how much Braden Holpe struggled for a couple months of the year, um, with his departure to Colorado as part of that deal that um, allowed them to really get that much cheaper Brooks Orpic back, um, who do you kind of slotting in as the Capitals' backup goalie? Do you do you think a guy like uh, Samsonov is ready for the next step, or is this definitely going to be Phil, uh, Copley's job to lose? Yeah, it's definitely Copley's to lose. Um, I mean, I think Copley's almost competing with himself. If he doesn't do well, they're going to try and upgrade at some point through mm-hmm. trade, waivers, whatever. Um, I think they are pretty intent on having Samsonov go to the American Hockey League, get some experience, get used to life here. I mean, he's never lived in America. He, um, last I talked to him, uh, he wasn't speaking English or really understanding all that well. I, they want to be responsible and not like rush him and you know ruin him, essentially. And mm-hmm. that's possible. Um, so at least to start the year, I think they'll be in the A, and they see backup goalie as a position they can upgrade. Makes sense. Um, you know, you covered the team uh, for a couple years with Nate Schmidt uh, when he was with Washington. Um, kind of, what, what do you think about his the PED uh, suspension that he is uh, going to be, you know, going through for the major or for a good portion of this upcoming season? Yeah, I, I feel for him. Um, I mean, his plea was pretty impassioned. If he's telling the truth, like that's, um, I don't know what the solution there is though, because honestly, like only four guys have gotten caught in the NHL's like drug rule. I mean, it feels like it's, it's not like strict enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if it really was like a contaminated meat thing, then um, it is. It's just it's bad luck. I just don't know what 
for like where the league goes next from here. Um, because like, I feel like organizations like WADA, like last or like the NHL, but you know, drug policy, um, that's like two weeks. So I don't know how to make it even weaker potentially. You know, all, all I can think about when I think about hockey and uh, performance-enhancing stuff, I think about Backstrom's suspension in the Olympics. And uh, that wasn't using the NHL policy, but how Backstrom wasn't able to play in the gold medal game. Um, back, I'm trying to remember which one that was. Jeez, was that uh, Sochi that he wasn't able to play in? Or? I think so. Yeah, so that yeah. that that was a... Uh, I guess if you played for the Capitals, you're one of like three guys that gets gets called out for some sort of truck thing so um all in all it, it, it i think everyone feels kind of bad for nate schmidt but uh you make a good point about the nhl being pretty lax on their uh policies i guess well isabel i really don't have anything else to to uh to ask you here thanks thanks so much for coming on and uh hopefully i can have you on again for too long as camp gets uh rolling here hopefully you have you on during the season yeah thank you so much for having me on um, so in case our listeners don't know, they should definitely go follow Isabel on Twitter. Uh, Isabel, your handle is, I don't have it open in front of me. Do you mind just giving it out to him? Yeah, it's at Ikershudian, I-K-H-U-R-S-H-U-D-Y-A-N. Great. Thanks again, Isabel. And on behalf of, my, or really just myself, thanks for listening to this episode of Japers Rink Radio.